Move through the woods with vigor. When we got free, the world moved with us. Now they want to change the bodies, go figure. Used to call us, now they want to be niggas. We the rivers that move through the jungle, yo. When we move, we make the world wonderful. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point, where this week I have a really fun and spirited conversation with Common about his new record, A Beautiful Revolution Part 2. And the spirited part comes in where we spend a lot of time debating the greatest basketball player of all time and how we agree to disagree, but respectfully. So some good lessons in here for everyone. Peace, peace. What's going on, man? How you doing? I've been good, dude. How you been? I've been great, great. You in LA, yeah. right? What's that? You in Los Angeles. Long Beach, California, man. What about you? Uh, I'm in LA. Nice. Yeah. What part? Um, Beverly Hills. Okay. Yeah. It, it looked nice and sunny out there. That's why I said you in LA. Well, <laughs> I knew it was something California looked like it. <laughs> yeah. I'll shut this out. That's such a glare, but uh Nah, yeah, man, it's it's been a minute. Um, the last time we talked was for the Audible thing that you were doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, that seemed like so long ago, but it really was just last year. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny too, man. Uh, I was excited to hear this record because I, I did an interview you know, a few months ago with uh, someone you know well who couldn't stop raving about the record. Who? Uh, Tiffany. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That that's really cool. That's great. Yeah, she yeah she been hearing some pieces of it. She you know she hears she hears it in the process. So it, hey, if she digging it, that's a good thing because you know I don't I don't think she felt all my music. I'll say that. <laughs> that's fair. It's like when you talk to artists who have kids. You know, no no one's gonna be more honest about you know whether the music's good or not than the kids. Oh man, I, you are so correct with that because I'm I can definitely rely on my daughter to be give me her true opinion more than almost anybody. How old's your daughter? 24 now. Okay. Yeah. She just turned 24 a couple weeks ago. She's in a um third year of law school and you know she definitely will give me the truth. I mean it's it you know opinions are opinions so it's only her truth, her perspective, but I hear it though and it's definitely honest. All right. Well, so then wait before, well, we're going to come on to your turning point moment in a second, but before that, then what are the favorite tracks for both your daughter and for Tiffany on a beautiful revolution part two? Well, for my daughter, I think she really loves when we move. Cause out of everything that she's heard, she was like, man, I like that one. Like she, like I play her things and she, she'll say, man, that's cool. Or sometimes, you know, she'll comment, something about it but she won't say a lot right you know um but she said she was like i was just playing when we move i was doing a fitting and i was playing and she was like yo that that song you play you just play was that one i like that you know that's what she said so when we move it's her favorite i would think tiffany's favorite is either this song called poetry because she was singing that a lot um when i played it but she also liked um, imagine the, the first single. She, she, I could tell she really dug that too. So those, those are Tiffany's two favorites. Um, and yeah, I want to say Tiffany is like a, 
she her taste is is very vast and different. So when I when I know I'm like when I'm something connects with Tiffany, I'm like, wow, this is connecting with a a, a new audience too. Because like I said, I don't believe she was always in the con into my music. I don't think she was like she's not aware of like some of the albums that I've done and these things. So. No, dude, she was a fan of this one. She got me excited about it. We did the story back in September around Cadillac and I was asking her what music you play in your Cadillac on the road trip. And she, and she mentioned that she mentioned the beautiful revolution. That's I love it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but dude, your daughter has good taste. Cause when we move, man, that's special. That, that, that felt like, that goes back to the 70s. And it's funny because we've talked about protest songs and all that. That has that 70s anthem vibe to it. Yeah, man. That, look, that song has a funk to it, a soul to it. And the musicians I work with, Isaiah Sharkey, Kareem Riggins, um, Bernice Travis, like these guys, man, we just jamming. We rocking. Like, and that, that, that song gives me that James Brown, like um, Fela Kuti type of energy and feel. Um, so when we created that, like, I was like, oh, this, this is amazing. It's funky. And I wanted the, the thoughts of it to be like a celebration of our blackness in a way that's beautiful. Like, man, when we move, we, we, we impact the world. So let's, let's, let's celebrate that. Let's acknowledge that and, and, and look at the positives of who we are. Um, so that, that song, um, yeah. And I'm glad, you know, you could, whatever music is universal, but I'm glad to be able to tell that story and, and it feels international too. Once we got Black Thought and um, Shane Cootie, who is Fela Cootie's son, because the song, like I said, the song already gave me a little Fela Cootie type of vibe. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. All right, we're going to come back to this in a second. I want to go back to the start of the podcast. Usually, I ask people about the turning point moment that led them to where they are today. Yeah. And but we of course started talking because, you know, it's funny, by the way, just so you know, I found Tiffany's quote exactly. Mm. I asked her about uh so she was saying that uh <laughs> uh now I'm eating a kale salad and I'm probably gonna go listen to either my man's new album that he's ready to drop or I'm listening to an audiobook, a Barack, a Barack Obama audiobook. I said, How's the new album? She's like, It's so damn good. I'm like, please, babe, let me have a copy. He's like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're gonna leak it. And he's right, I would probably I'd probably try to make some NFTs. <laughs> The NFTs, man. I mean, we, we, we all like heard about the NFTs and wanted to do that. She was talking to me about like, man, you got to do an NFT. I, I've been planning on doing one and haven't done it yet. Man, I'm a traditional type of person when it comes to like music and art. That doesn't mean obviously I use social media and things for music, but I still love a good record. I still like to make an, a full album. I still like you know, the artwork for the album to be beautiful, you know, so. Now, dude, I'm with, it's funny. I've done multiple stories on it because I have friends who do it. I'm not going to lie. I still don't understand what the hell it is. I have done the stories because people, you know, like, I, you know, people I trust work on it, but I'm like, okay, cool. You know, if you ask me like what it is, could not tell you. So, you know, but I just like that quote. So yeah, she was a big supporter, man. She, she was high on it early on. I love it. That's, that's great support from a great person. Turning point moment that led you to where you are. What do you feel like is a turning point moment that led you to being in Beverly Hills today on this Monday afternoon? Okay. I think the turning point moment for me um, was I was a I was on a basketball team and I was doing really good. I was playing on the sophomore team and I was a starting point guard. 
and I was having a great game. And first quarter, I remember my god brother was there. I was really doing well. My stepfather was there. First quarter, I had six points, and this and this guy, like, was going for the ball, and he poked me in my eye, but he cut my he cut part of my eye, the inside of my eye, so. I was forced to not, obviously not play. I had to wear shades for like months and I was, you know, my, I was healing, taking this medication. So I wasn't able to play, but I was already into writing rhymes. So I started to write more. And when I came back to playing ball, I wasn't getting any playing time. I, you know, lost my starting position. And that next year I was still in the same place basketball wise. So I ended up saying, let me quit the team. I'm actually going to be a rapper. <laughs> and, I, you know, like it was, it was the influence obviously of all these other things, music going on, like Eric B and Rakim, public enemy, you know, KRS one NWA too short, you know, big daddy Kane. all this music that was like, that I was just speaking to me so much, but it was that situation that put me into the place where, okay, I'm not going pro in my dream of basketball. And I love hip hop and hip hop is something that I really am growing in passionate about. And, and I want to be a hip hop artist. And it, it was that moment um, during that time that I decided that I was going to be a rapper. I'm, I'm going to be a hip hop artist. And it was my, my junior year of high school. And I was part of a group and we ended up opening up for NWA and Big Daddy Kane and Too Short one time. And we, you know, I was writing the raps for for, for the group. Um, and yeah, and that, that really sent me into, I was freestyling in gym class and different things. That sent me into my pursuit of my dream, which is why I'm here. See, I love that. It's, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was this Gwyneth Paltrow movie years ago, Sliding Doors. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, I, I remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, it's so funny. If you hadn't had that eye injury, what team do you think you'd be playing for today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, my goal, vision was to be an NBA player. But man, I, I was just talking to somebody. And, you know, Kenny Smith, the, the great ball playing analyst, always says this, only 5,000 people have made it to the NBA, 5,000 plus have made it to the NBA and all the years of existence, all the millions of kids that want to play. So that was my dream, but you know, obviously God had another vision for me and I'm super grateful because you know, I wouldn't be 49 years old playing in the NBA, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. How often do you still play now? I still, I play, man, I still play. I mean, I hadn't played a lot, you know, um, for a few months, but just a month ago, I just was like, man, I need to go play ball. And I went out to the, to this park that's not far from, from my house. And I got out there and I was just having so much fun. I was like, wait. And, you know, it just was, it's such a camaraderie playing basketball. I think basketball was one of the things that, that helped shape my life because I learned to work with a team. I, and I'm and playing point guard. I, I had to be unselfish. I had to be like unselfish, meaning given like, let me make sure this person is getting the ball so they can shoot in this person. And that's my personality. And I feel like 
I really started to um, apply that in different aspects of my life. And I also met people from different, like, places in my city, which, you know, some of the most hood cats to some of the most, like, you know, well-to-do cats. Um, and, and I think it really helped shape my life playing ball. So that's so interesting on a couple of different levels because I've talked to Carlos Santana quite a bit about the art of collaboration. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> collaboration is a skill. Yeah. And it's funny. So this is why I was like doing this type of interview too, because you go back and like you said, you look at all the guests you have on this record, Raphael Sadiq, PJ, all those people. It's like, you know, I mean, do you feel like you can trace your ability to collaborate directly back to being a point guard in high school? Truly, truly. I mean, I also give it to my Pisces nature and my love for seeing people happy. And like, I like everybody to feel valued and good. I didn't like know how to articulate that as when I was playing ball, but that was the feeling. That was the emotion I like when everybody was getting the opportunity. Um, and I believe, you know, it translates for me in, in my collaborations because it's not like I'm like, oh, I got to write this, the hook, or man, I got to get credit for this production. It's like, no, I want everybody to come and bring their talents to the table and feel free to contribute in any way that they feel possible and we're going to keep the best stuff and that's what it ends up being and and it's like you you learn to to not you learn to leave your ego behind when you're creating and collaborating in the purest way and, the, and getting the best art and music together and I feel that's that's what it takes to be a great teammate too and be a great point guard you got to leave your ego behind and you got to do it for a greater picture and for me it's like doing it to make some of the greatest music possible all right so now we're going to come back to this for one second who in your opinion as a, as a point guard who's the greatest point guard of all time Irvin magic johnson and i had this you know this conversation just the other day i was in, in chicago for a friend's birthday and we were discussing i mean Irvin. i mean he's unanimously you you know you the 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 best point guard i was trying to discuss who was the next best point guard and, you know, I was going between Steph Curry or Isaiah Thomas. Um, and who would you say? It, who, wait, first of all, who is your top point guard? Oh, it's no question. Magic. And I actually also put, I mean, it's funny because I'm, I'm from L.A. Yeah. Actually, I had this conversation with Chance. We were talking about this. Who's the greatest player of all time? Now, who's your pick for the greatest player of all time? I mean, Michael Jordan is no, you know. I, I can't, I'm, on, I'm going on, man, what I've seen, what I've experienced. Um, just what, I mean, I've watched basketball. I didn't get to see Will Chamberlain and Oscar Robinson and Bill Russell. I did see a little of Kareem. And Kareem is definitely, arguably, in that, com he's in that conversation, just simple as that. But it's Michael Jordan for me, point blank. Now, who is yours? It's Kareem for me. That guy won at every freaking level he ever played at, dude. He reinvented the game. And also, it's funny because, and again, I'm biased because I come from L.A. I grew up on those Showtime Lakers. But it's interesting, too, because everybody talks about Jordan's 6-0 record in the finals. Dude, Magic was in the finals 9 of 12 years. And that includes against the Moses Malone, Julius Serving 76ers, and the Larry Bird. Yeah. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, front line of the Celtics. That record is unreal. So I, I probably put the two of them as top two. Oh, my goodness. No, come on. No, 
Steve, you're going too far, man. Where you went? Like, let's get, yo, I mean, I know you're an L.A. guy, but let's face it. Did you watch The Last Dance? Yeah. Man, I think, I mean, this is the thing. It, man, I, you know, being from Chicago, and I, I, I want to, I have a picture. You know, I was a ball boy for the Bulls, so I was there when Michael Jordan first came. I got to show you this picture that I just got, because I didn't have any pictures of, of me being a ball boy, but I saw one. Anyway, the thing about what, what we knew about Michael Jordan, it was almost like having a superhero because you knew you were going to win in the end. We knew we were going to win. Like it was, we go through the drama, we go through the ups and downs, we be hollering at the TV, but it was like, you knew you were going to win to have a player of that caliber. And look, Michael, um, Michael won every time he went there, obviously. He was, one thing that you got to consider that you that you you know people don't talk about is Michael was making all defensive teams as the best player as the MVP in the league he was making all defensive teams you can't I don't think you could say that but only other top greats you could talk about doing that it was what Bill Russell or you know uh, Kareem did it Kareem was all defensive oh yeah he was okay. yeah he was don't think don't forget how many years he led the league in shot blocking yeah yeah that guy was. I mean, look, you know, it, again, it comes down to a matter of taste. All these guys are in the conversations. But I think for me being an L.A. guy, but we're going to tie this back into music in a sec because you and I can geek out on basketball all day. Yeah. But what's interesting about it is that, you know, I, I think for me being an L.A. guy, I'm like, dude, it, it, I, I get bothered by the fact that everyone assumes it's a foregone conclusion. And it's funny. It's like the same thing as, you know, people saying, OK, if you ask someone who's the greatest rapper alive and they're going to come right now and they're going to say, name who's ever hot at the moment right and it's like you know they're not going to remember or think about you know like you say eric b and rakeem or stuff like that it's like people are too quick to forget the past i agree and look i was one of those people i was one of those people starting to feel like lebron james was starting to get to the level of mike and be like oh man like i think he could pass mike and i really was feeling like that and, and then I watched the last dance. It was like, oh, I forgot, man. This is, I've actually forgot. And I mean, I knew Mike. I watched all those games. I mean, meaning I knew what how, what Mike was capable of. But seeing it again, it just was like, this is phenomenal. What this dude is doing. And the same things you said about Kareem was funny. Is you could say about Mike. Michael changed the game. Also, he changed the game into like the high flying sports. The only other player to me that has changed the game since then is Steph Curry. But Michael changed the game. Kareem changed the game. Um, and, yeah, them, them three people we could cite as people, people that changed the game. No question. It's funny. All I'll say on this, and then we'll, we'll come on to magic and music in a second, is, look, man, if you look at it, game on the line, one shot. If you have one shot to finish the game, I'm going Kareem Skyhook because it's the most indefensible shot that ever was. I, I don't know if anybody ever blocked that shot. I don't know if anybody in twenty something years blocked the skyhook. Well, I, I'm go back and watch. Go back and watch some footage of the skyhook from like the '85 Finals against the Celtics and stuff. Absolutely, and it was also it was a work of art. And I'm not saying Jordan wasn't a work of art too, but the skyhook that was. I mean, it was just pure grace. Look, I'm used pure grace. Think about this. Think about this man floating in the air, coming from one side of the rim. Moving it, moving the shot down, moving the ball down, coming to the other side. 
and actually clapping his hands as he lets the ball leave his hands. That's art. That's like he's an art. He was a true artist on the court. Now we see other artists on the court like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but Michael Jordan was an artist. He brought art to the to the game of basketball. Grace. As did Kareem, as did Dr. J, by the way, Dr. and as did Magic with his passing. So it's funny tying this back in, you know, for you, who was a point guard who recognizes Magic as the best point guard of all time. I think everyone can agree on that. There's no debating that, yeah. you know. Well, it's funny. Talk about how you sort of see that come into, because you look at back on those finals, right? And you watch the way that he would get everybody involved and the way those no-look passes and everything. Talk about how you see that influence on A Beautiful Revolution Part 2. In a way, you know, you are the point guard, you know, feeding the no-look passes to Worthy on the wing as he comes in for the dunk. Yeah. So what are those, for you as a point guard, what are those favorite moments for you on this album where you see your people you're working with shine oh it's like almost every song has something a moment like where it's a it's a no look pass or it's a it's an alley oop or it's like you could smile after you know what when, when magic had the ball in one hand he threw it the other way you thought he was going to the going to pass to the person on the left but he threw it to the to the right um for me that is like hearing isaiah sharkey on the guitar and and on when we move or hearing him play on the song Saving Grace, and then me asking Brittany Howard to come in and, and perform on it, and, and she takes the song to another level and just elevates it at a place I never knew could happen. She's one of my favorite artists. Or me collaborating with Black Thought on When We Move, and he brings the incredible verse to the song, but then he says, hey man, I'm gonna pass the ball. I got this cat named Shane Cootie, who's the son of Fela Cootie. And you know this song is Fela type. So we're going to bring him to, to, the, to the table. And if you like it, great. That was his way. And then it's also just hearing like somebody like bass, our bass player, Boom Bishop, who had an idea for a song that becomes a song called Set It Free, um, where I talk about women, you know, loving themselves and like being able to just let go of the what, um, what a man can do for them. And, and they also just be empowered themselves, which I mean, women are doing That's I'm, It's just me telling the younger lady who I actually had that type of conversation with, Hey, no matter what this human being is doing, remember your power, remember who you are. So those are the moments for me that, and then even also the poets that I have at the, at the, um, on who begin like Jessica Campbell, who begins the album, She's, you know, um, and then Morgan Parker, who's also an incredible poet, who ends the album. These are moments where I get to share the court with these incredible artists, um, share this music, and, and they elevate me. That's what, you know, a great collaborator, a point guard is going to allow people to be at their best and going to bring the best out of others. But then it also elevates all of us, and that's what happened. No question. So for you... What are a couple of the moments on this record? And I look as an artist, right? Especially as a writer, things often emerge that are surprising or good writing leads itself and is subconscious. So what are those moments for you on this record where you kind of surprise yourself? Where you're like, especially like, oh, I didn't even know I was thinking that. Yeah. Well, the song Imagine was one of those moments for me because it was one of the last songs we were recording. And we had this, this crew there filming us. And I was like, I'm not going to probably come up with a song 
while they're filming me. It just didn't feel like it was natural. Um, but, you know, we, we created this music, which was based off of an old song called Imaginary Playmates by Renee and Angela. And we created the music for Imagine. And I started freestyling. And that's, you know, um, just improv. And I started talking about Imagine This and Imagine That. And I, what, what I ended up writing, I really felt like I loved how I went to different places. Like, meaning I talk about, like, you know, imagine seeing the, the God in, in, like, in yourself, but then seeing, seeing your girl as the goddess. But I also talk about, you know, making sure you can have great sex with her. You know, I say, uh, imagine <laughs> um, when you take it down your girl, you can take your time. You know, so I'm having fun with it. Imagine turning water, you could turn water to your favorite wine. But I also talk about kids' fathers in their life, you know, you know, and I, so they can lead them right. I'm talking about things that, you know, really matter and some things that are fun. And that's what made that song for me, like one of the, one of those moments I'm like, oh man, I love the, the, you know, how well-rounded the this, this song is. And I kind of wrote it really quick because I was thinking I was actually looking for someone else to be on the second verse. So I kind of just was like, okay, I'm gonna put down a, a sketch idea for the second verse, and I probably won't use it because I'm I'm gonna get another artist. And then I laid it down, and the person I wanted to do it, he he was like, ah man, I don't know, let's do another song. So I just kept my verse, and I, and I love it now. Like, right, it's fine. We're gonna make these last couple questions. I know we got to wrap up, but on that note. As you talk about that, you know, mix of stuff. I talk about this with, I do so many stories with artists who do benefits because it's, to me, I'm always happy to be able to give back. What makes a great benefit is when you can deliver your message in an entertaining way so that people want to come back. They don't feel like they're being given a message, but they're doing it willfully and happily. So, and this is also true of whether it's a great protest song, whether it's a great movie. So for you, what are those couple of works that you think of that have that whole well-rounded thing where it's like they're powerful. They're, you know, going back to protest songs. I talked about this with what's going on, Steve living in the city, you know, these songs that a six-year-old can hear and they're like, damn, this sounds good, but they have no idea what the message is until they get older. So for you, what are those works of art that have that whole well-rounded thing where you're both learning and you're being entertained at the same time? Yeah. Um, I would have to, to say, one song was Stevie Wonder's Happy Birthday. And, and you know, that sounds strange because you're like, wait, what's the message in Happy Birthday? But little did I know that it was that song that was a catalyst to help getting Dr. King's birthday to be a national holiday. And I used to sing that song as a kid and it just made me happy because it was Happy Birthday, but a new version of Happy Birthday. And it was soulful and it was incredible. But that song was really one of the major components to getting Dr. King's birthday is a national holiday. So that's one. I would say um, Public Enemies Don't Believe the Hype was another song that I feel like I was getting all type of wisdom from, but it was, it just was jamming. You rock into it, you know? Um, and it's a, it's a, now it's more, uh, it's Aretha Franklin songs that I've been listening to. And I'm like, wow. It was, it was, it's messages in here, Nina Simone songs. So those are, those are some of the artists that I think of quickly. Um, and even Kendrick Lamar's We Gonna Be All Right, you know, cause he, cause 
Steve, I have to agree with you. And, and this is one of the things that throughout my life, I've been like doing my best to make sure that the music is not uh, like big preachy thing. It's not like, cause it's in it. It's still gotta be, it's art. So it still has to be beautiful. It still has to taste good. It gotta feel good. It gotta, you know, you gotta want to hear it. You don't, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't like songs when I'm like, feel like I'm being preached to or, or it's like got this self-righteous thing to it. So, you know, I, I try to come do my best to come from the most creative and pure place and let the, the message and let the spirit of it just come through as a message. So that, that, oh, speaking of message, that, that song is one that I was jamming to and didn't know much. Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel song, the message, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I mean, I knew what I was saying, but I didn't understand it as a kid. And now it's like so much. So those are some of the songs that really have that, that to it. All amazing songs. Yeah. All so good. And just for me, I was an English major. So, you know, since you talk about opening and closing the album with poetry, one or two of your favorite poets. Two of my favorite poets. Um, James Baldwin, Dr. Maya Angelou, uh, also um, Langston Hughes. Um, I used to, yeah, Nikki Giovanni, Gwendolyn Brooks. I got a lot of like poets that I love. Uh, those are two of my, I mean, those are five or six of my favorites. Um, Amiri Baraka. I like this group called The Last Poets. They were incredible. Uh, but I also think of Joni Mitchell as a poet. <laughs> she, her, her work is poetry. She's one of my favorite writers. Um, yeah, and that, that's poetry to me also. Nice. All right. I know we got to wrap up because we've gone over by a couple minutes, but uh, when you listen to this album all the way through, when you go back and hear, well, you know what? Wait, I'm going to sneak this in really quickly. What is a revolution to you, by the way? Because that's an interesting thing. And I know that's not a short answer, but I mean, you know, look, there's there's a lot of different kinds of revolutions right now. And there's a lot of different kinds of revolutions needed right now. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, for me, re revolution is like loving oneself and loving yourself enough that you could love others and seeing the beauty in your life and the beauty around you and, and really actually being active and creating beauty in the world. Um, and that's the revolution for me. And the reason why I even created this beautiful revolution, like the title was from this, this political prisoner who, who I love and, and, and think has inspired me. Her name is Asada Shakur. She was a Black Panther who has been in exile for, since 1973. But she wrote a quote that says something about revolution. It's, it's beautiful, it's fun, it's, it's loving others, it's loving your partner. It's like respecting each other. It's like, it wasn't like what you think revolution to be. So it just really inspired me to think about revolution in a different way. Because most of the time I heard revolution, I think like we all do, the revolution will not be televised. You think about that change is overthrowing the government and changing things. Well, we do need to change a lot of things, but the change may come in different ways. It may come through therapy. It may come through being able to just sit and have dinner with your family and have conversations. It may come through the fun you have on a basketball court. It may come through the music we create. So that's what a beautiful revolution is to me. Like it's the change and the love that we have for ourselves and putting that beauty out to others. Um, yeah. That's a beautiful wrap up note. Is there anything you want to add I didn't ask you about? Nah, no, nah, that was great, man. I like a lot of we talked about basketball. I'll tell you that much. 
Yeah, we talked about all right, dude. I'm gonna go back. I'll rewatch Last Dance. I want you to just go back and watch some of those '80s Lakers finals, man. Okay. Just, just you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to change your mind. Although, interestingly, coming from Chicago, this is what I was getting. Chance actually chose Kareem as well, and that surprised me. Yeah, I mean, I, that that is a surprise. I mean, I'm not only choosing Michael because I'm from Chicago, but I did get to. I watched a lot of that, and it, and I had never seen someone so dominant and where. You got to understand, Magic, Bird, all of them had to say, this dude is the best. Like, for them to be playing and still say, this dude is the best, that takes a lot, man. That takes a lot. And and his, and his defense was incredible. And, man, for you, for you to – for Michael Jordan to never allow any of those all-time greats to get a championship, Carmelo never got a championship. Barkley never got a championship. Akeem was only able to get a championship because Mike was injured. I mean, you know, Mike was out for those years. I mean, these dudes didn't get championships because this dude was killing like that. Like, that's the man. When you watch The Last Dance, you got to see that he was the greatest, man. It's just, you know, it is. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's so funny. You you know, it's always just opinion. Yeah. It's always just, you know, there is, there's no scientific way yeah. to in the same way that, you know, it's fine. I talk about this whether it's food, whether it's music. Yeah. You know, when you say song is your favorite, you know it's not the best. Right. But there's something about like it just hits you in a gut in a way. And I think, you know, for me, it's the same thing as like, right? Look, you grow up, you're, you're, you know, you grew up watching Jordan. I grew up watching the Showtime Lakers. So that team to me was part of my job. But again, you look at the stats and it's like, Dude, nine years, 12 finals. That's pretty damn impressive. I mean, I'm sorry, 12 years, nine finals. 75% of his career, Magic went to the finals. Yeah, that's amazing. But you talking about Kareem. Kareem, but, and you, and when you talked about Michael, Michael won on every level too. Michael won, if, as a freshman, he got North Carolina a championship. You understand that, right? And then took Chicago Bulls, who was, you know, a, a terrible team. To, to to six championships and never went to a game seven. That is, man. And like, told the team, look, don't pack extra clothes because we ain't, we ain't coming back. We ain't, we're not doing no two. Like, this, this is it. Like, we getting on this plane with one set of clothes. That's it. Like, that's amazing, man. That's a, like, you can learn from Michael Jordan that like, the power of, of like, believing in word through, you know, watching Mike. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's up there. There's no question. But I mean, you know, again, you talk about, you know, I mean, look at what Kareem did. Kareem won three straight titles at UCLA. And in high school, he was the most dominant player in the history of the game. Lou Alcindor, I mean, and six NBA championships, six NBA MVPs. I mean, look, <laughs> let's put it this way. If you were starting a team and you could have both of them, I think everyone would be pretty damn excited. Yeah, but I really agree with you too. Um, it's anything like when people get into these top five rappers or best foods, or, it's really just opinion. Even players, as much as they got stats, it's still somebody's going like, it's somebody now arguing that LeBron is the best player. And and now they're talking who's the best player in the world right now. Is it KD or is it Giannis? But Giannis. You know, it's KD. So, so... <laughs> it is what, yeah exactly but that's the thing is like again i'm glad that we could agree on this and it's fun because again it's the same when it comes to music i mean you know is there a best food no but sometimes something is just like that's what i want and that's my favorite you know 
Bro, that's why, I, like, I always compare music, like, when people, like, talk about their favorite groups. Yo, we're not going to, like, if I like freaking french fries is my favorite food, that's my taste. It's my taste, individual to me. And a lot of people might like french fries, but some people might say, man, tacos is my favorite food. Or, you know, or barbecue chicken. So it's like, yo, it is just taste. It's opinion. Simple as that. And it's funny. You look at it, it's like, do you cannot argue the fact, like, there are certain groups you can't argue. You can, like, you can say that it doesn't connect with me. You can't argue Sly and the Family Stone. You know? They, yeah. You, I mean, you may, it may not be your favorite. You can't argue it. You can't you know, argue. There are certain you things. You can't argue the Beatles. You can't argue, man, you can't argue Stevie Wonder. You know? you can't argue i mean you can't argue there's there's a few of them but the point but again that doesn't mean that they have to be your favorite you know right like yeah 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 so i'm with you on this but all right cool dude always a pleasure catching up and uh yeah hey great to great to talk to you steve appreciate you man all right cool man have a good one have a great one bless hey this is steve balton you have been listening to my turning point with special guest common thanks Good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. HubSpot. Grow better. I think I was afraid of using my voice because I was afraid to accept that I had lung cancer. But if we want to have the best care, we need to talk, we need to ask, and we need to be assertive. Speaking up doesn't need to be daunting. Consider gathering additional information from credible patient organizations, preparing questions you want to ask your doctor, taking notes at your next appointment, and asking about biomarker testing. Steps like these can potentially lead to care that is more focused on your needs. We have to be assertive, even though it's hard when you are fighting for your life. Visit bit.ly slash soundup for lung cancer for links to resources and to learn more about SoundUp, a patient-inspired, community-led campaign supported by Novartis to empower people affected by lung cancer. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.